Tolkien has become a monster, devoured by his own popularity and absorbed into the absurdity of our time. The chasm between the beauty and seriousness of the work and what it has become has overwhelmed me. They eviscerated the book by making it an action movie for young people ages 15 to 25. The commercialization has reduced the aesthetic and the philosophical impact of the creation to nothing. There is only one solution for me to turn my head away. Look away, baby, look away. Damn, that was a crazy excerpt. I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. And welcome back to Keep on Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a little hateful. For uh... Yeah, that, was, that, that excerpt comes off pretty heavy. That was a quote of Christopher Tolkien, for those who are wondering. And uh, we thought that would be appropriate. Yeah, because uh, we're going to get playfully hateful today. Yeah. Yeah. So today's subject, this is kind of hearkening back to the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. The origins, guys. The origins, when we did uh, what we didn't like and what we did like about the Hobbit trilogy. So today we're going to be talking about what we didn't like about the Lord of the Rings film trilogy. And yeah, those are the ones from uh, 01 to 03, if you're not familiar. I know for some people it's inconceivable to even criticize these movies. Yeah, but there's some young people out there, man, that were born in 2001 that are like adults now. And, you know, they've never seen Yeah, it. these movies are adults now, so yeah. let's treat them like adults. But yeah, dis- disclaimer. Disclaimer time, guys. Yeah, even though we just compared this to The Hobbit, we just yes. have to say. While we overwhelmingly agree that The Hobbit films are simply just bad films. Bad just movies, just bad all, movies, all around. All around. We do not think the same of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We think they are high art at this point. Oh, yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're works of art. I know mean, yeah. we've talked about that before, like... Uh, we try to look at the book and the movies sort of as separate right. separate works of art. Right, 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 yeah, separate works of art. Because we're appreciators of both of those types of right, art, yeah. too. I so. mean, we, we both grew up on the film, so yeah, obviously yeah. we love them. They're, they're very yeah. close to our heart. But yeah, it was a gateway drug into this uh, larger literary universe that we're all you know hugely a part of now. Yeah. But yeah, we do love them. And here's the thing, guys. I want to say a little thing about what it means to truly love something, right? And that is to somewhat love and hate it <laughs> at the same time. You have to... There's certain things like... Like me and Joel, we're best friends. There's certain things that we don't like about each other. Right. But for sure. Yeah, but you love your friends and you accept them for what they are, good yeah. and bad. For the overall product, right? Mm-hmm. So there are definitely flaws within Joel. Like, for instance... Joel likes the band Muse, and I hate the band Muse. It's, there you go. It's a terrible band. I think that, well, I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of their later stuff, but... Are, but I just thought I'd shit on Muse for a second. Yeah, is there, There's not? a lot of angry Muse heads out there yeah. now. Fuck me, right? Who cares? Who cares about <laughs> the, the bands that Joel likes? Well, anyway, <laughs> Muse aside, I do like Joel, and I do love Joel, and I love the trilogy, in spite of the many things we're going to bitch about here in a second. Right. So, despite the fact that we love them so much, there are, we accept that there are some things that we didn't like or weren't great about the movies. Right. And uh, we want to clarify that this this isn't simply us pointing out the differences between the books and the movies. 
mm-hmm. that might come into play. But I mean, we understand that like the movies are, are meant to be like you know Hollywood films. So, like they had to change certain things to make it you know like Hollywood you mm-hmm. know action movie. And there's some things, some changes we liked, and yeah, some things some, we didn't. So some not so much. Yeah. So we'll get into it. But uh, we thought we'd break this down and go through them one by one. Me and Danny actually just uh, finished watching the trilogy recently. Yeah, over the course of like, yeah, the last week. Yeah, we it took us about a week. Yeah. I know some people try to do that shit in a day, and I I've never been able to sit through that. That's like twelve hours or something. I've done I've done the first, so I've done the two extended editions for the first two movies, and then the theatrical for the third one. Because the only the only reason why I didn't do the extended was because it hadn't been released yet, son. Oh, <laughs> I've only I've only been able to do the first two extended releases. Yeah, back to back. I haven't been able to do all three. It's yeah, it's an undertaking. And also, we we kind of decided as a rule too, we can't bitch about things that were in the extended edition, but not the theatrical. Yes, that is a rule we do want to clarify. We're going to be taking, we're going to be basically, I guess, reviewing the trilogy from the view of the extended edition. From the extended edition, because yeah. yeah. the theatrical editions uh, are lacking a lot of stuff. That they a cut lot out. Yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they still work as movies, mm-hmm. but there there was just a lot of they trimmed a lot of fat. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little more than fat. They trim some meat, too. Yeah, they trim some meat, too. But that's like the kind of meat you make gravy out of, you know? All right, but let's dive right into it, guys. Let's start off with The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, I mean, the, the first, like, 40 minutes of the movie is almost torn right from the pages of the book. Yeah, the beginning of, of The Fellowship of the Ring is absolutely beautiful. Mm. Like, I don't I don't know that... I, I have can, no gripes. I have yeah. no gripes, yeah. Just the introduction no. to the Shire and, you know, the the long-expected party. Mm-hmm. Totally perfect. The only thing uh, we, we we start to get gripes here is when they leave the Shire mm-hmm. and uh, they get to a place that, well, they they, they don't go there. They, yeah. uh, they, uh, they skip the old forest is, is what we're talking about. Yeah, the old forest and Tom Bombadil, coincidentally, after yes. they get out of it. But Yeah, and uh, Tom Bombadil, a lot of people are like, you know, well, how the hell would you put Tom Bombadil in the movie? And fair point. How would you? But like... Right. You know, they cut them out. And they also cut out the old forest, which also, uh, what I think, what's coming up next year, our next point is actually much more important than cutting out the old forest in general. And that's the total cutting out of the, the barrel blades, which we talked about in last week's episode. Right, yeah. How they got the barrel blades. Because that plays in heavily to how the barrel, specifically one of the barrel blades is used later on in The Return of the King. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that direct connection of Mary's barrel blade and the Witch King and whatnot. And so that just kind of eliminates that significance. It wouldn't have been much to just, you know, shoehorn that scene in there somewhere, yeah. I feel like. I don't feel like it would be hard. Yeah, like they could have just like stopped in this weird tomb and been like, oh, mm-hmm. ooh, found some swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, yeah, we forgot to, we shafted from the last episode, guys. I wrote that episode, so I feel responsible. Last episode being? Uh, swords. Swords. The daggers of Western S. One of them kills a troll. Pippin kills a troll with it. So it can obviously withstand troll blood, like oh. we talked about with other weapons. Yeah. 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 Look, go back and listen to that weapons episode. That was actually a really awesome episode. That was episode of 46. That's our swords episode. Yeah. Um, so a, another another gripe we had with the Fellowship of the Ring was Glorfindel, or rather the lack the thereof. The lack there of Glorfindel. Like the Glorfindel, Glorfindel, the Glorfindelus of the film. <laughs> I mean, he's a great character, and I, I guess we just like like we mentioned earlier, we're not trying to point out all the differences between the movies and the books, but. No. We did really want to see Glorfindel. Glorfindel. I mean, he has yeah. a pretty big part to play in, like, the crossing of the uh, fords of uh, Arwen. Which is fine that they did. They had Arwen, Arwen do that. That's fine because they wanted to have more of a you know female role in the movie. That's cool. I, I dig that. But they could have had him at the council. Council. Yeah, they could have been like, "Who's that cat that glows over there?" 
<laughs> that's fucking, oh, fucking Glorfindel, that's man. Fucking I heard he was reincarnated or some shit. Yeah, dude. That'd and then me and Joel actually, we, we have a cooler idea of what they could have done with Glorfindel, which we'll get to later in the Oh, we'll get, to, we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, So another scene that, yes, was in the books, but was taken out of the movie, something we really wanted to see yeah. was the scene with the wolves at night. The fel- when the fellowship has left Rivendell and they're on their way to Moria, I think. Yeah, is it Moria? They're still in, are they still in, Ho- I think they're in Holland still, yeah. Okay. And they get, uh, well, old Oregian, right? Mm-hmm. And they get, uh, yeah, they get attacked by uh, a bunch of wargs. Yeah, in the middle of the night and there's like this whole scene where they have to fight off wargs, like I think two separate times. Yeah. And it's in a the- ring and like there's a warg chieftain and like Gandalf is like spewing flames yeah, and shit. Yeah, shooting fire and shit. And it's the first time we ever get to see the fellowship fight together. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. which is... Uh, which I thought was cool. The I mean, I like work. that they did that in the in the chamber of Marzable or whatever the Mazabul. Mazabul. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you for your your Kuzdul. <laughs> yeah, I like that they did that as their first scene too. But I mean, I really would have liked to see in this scene. You yeah, know? this is just yeah. It's another you know. They, I mean, they're always looking for action scenes, right? They even make up right. action scenes. So why not throw in something that was actually in the books and cool? They use yeah. Wargs later. They use Wargs later. Like, in the, this would have been a great reference to what's s- to come in the second film, which is a great action sequence. Not gonna lie, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't have Gandalf fighting the wolves in it, which is what I wanted to see. Yeah. And like, that kind of, I guess we can say that leads us into our, our next point, too. Oh, yes, it does. Directly. Yeah, it's almost like we wrote this episode to be like, you know, flow together <laughs> or something. Yeah, so sort of a, along the same lines uh, as as that scene there with the wolves when Gandalf is spewing fire and shit. We just wanted to, in general, touch on the lack of Gandalf's magic, especially in The Fellowship of the Fellowship stuff. of the Ring, yeah. Because he and does some crazy stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if it was a creative choice or like a lack of budgetary choice could have been like, or they just didn't want to make Gandalf seem too OP. I don't know, but like they, they, yeah, they didn't uh, do his proper due for his magical abilities, in my opinion. Right. So yeah, let's just cover like we mentioned. There's a uh, the fight with the wolves where he like s- throws a stick in the air that's on fire and it like bursts into flames mm-hmm. and. Like yeah. burns wolves Sets and a bunch then of wolves on fire. In Moria, there's that crazy ass fucking magic battle to keep the door closed with the mm-hmm. Balrog, and then yeah. the door fucking explodes. It explodes, yeah, because the two magics are uh, are, are equal. And they yeah, they're super strong. <laughs> yeah. They're super equal, so the door just explodes. Yeah, <laughs> and the roof caves in, and Gandalf's like, "Holy shit! Holy shit, man!" Yeah, and yeah, Gandalf is a Maiar, and like we we rarely get to see him use magic except yeah. for light. Did I mean, they, I'm trying to think. Did they try to do him with more magic in the Hobbit trilogy? Um, he did do a, a few things. Like in the Hobbit trilogy, they actually—I was surprised—they included that scene with the wolves and the fire. Yeah. In the Hobbit trilogy, where all the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf are up the trees, mm-hmm. right after they get out of Goblin Town, and they actually do throw like rainbow-colored fiery cones down at the yeah. wolves and start a fire. Damn, Gandalf really likes setting wolves on fire. That's yeah, like well, he just really likes fire in general. Fire, he is no. a fire spirit. He's, he's a, a pyro. He's a fire Maiar. So. Fire, fire. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Gandalf's magic uh, uh, sort of sh- shortchanged. Yeah, he does. Film. He does a very good handful of uh, very extravagant magic, like yeah. not the subtle things like you see in mm-hmm. the movies. Like in the Fellowship of the Ring movie, you get to see a little magic when it comes to like uh, Gandalf versus Saruman. And yeah. they have that weird like staff battle that where staff they're like battle. telekinetically like throwing each other back which and is forth. Something that wasn't in the book, no. which I still love to this day. That is, yeah, I love that. See, like just to see those two characters, those two those two actors just beat the shit out of each other with magic is, is still great in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So uh, d- another disclaimer. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this episode is what we disliked about the Lord of the Rings right, trilogy, well, but it's absolutely going to be peppered with little things, little things that we things really we liked, did yeah, like. Because yeah. yeah. uh, uh, like we said, we love them like our children. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Another thing. This one really... This Okay. So like uh, as we were writing this episode, I, I basically came up with a thesis of one of the main things I didn't like about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. So this will be a reoccurring theme. Occurring. Yeah. Yeah. A thing. Um, so... Mine is, and I call it the shortchanging of the Dunedain. In general, just, just overall. Just in general, throughout the entire story, Absolutely. throughout all three films. Absolutely. And uh, they downplay the significance of the Dunedain, and they uh, they fuck with their history and stuff. And one of the things that we talk about uh, is that they don't reforge Narsil at the Council of Elrond, or after the Council of Elrond. Right. That's a major timeline difference. Like, they, they wait until, shit, what is it, the return of the king before yeah. they actually reforge it in the movies? No. He, yeah, he brings it to him at the Dimholt. Road. Yeah, right. As if Aragorn was ever unsure about it. He yeah. he was never unsure about and it. He was right from the beginning. Like, give me that fucking sword. We're gonna do some badass shit with this. Yeah. And the um the also the uh, the reluctance of Aragorn to accept his role. Mm. I di- I didn't super like in the movie because mm-hmm. he he's since he was twenty one years old he's known what his mission and he's been sort of like preparing himself and he's been yeah like preparing his whole life for it yeah so i don't know why they did that creative i mean obviously it adds some drama and then it gives him like that archetype of like reluctant hero type type deal Mm -hmm. but i don't know i like i kind of like proud aragorn from the books a little more yeah proud but also like humble like a lendale he's supposed to be like a lendale Mm -hmm. you know yeah very strong but yet yeah he is humble too let's while we're talking about rivendell oh yeah yeah we talk about this on the podcast a few times the fuck is up with Elrond in the movie? Right, Hugo Weaving, like you're, you're good shit. You're good, you shit. know. But I just think Elrond was not supposed to have like an enormous stick up his ass the whole yeah, time, dude. <laughs> like he's supposed to be jolly and in you know. And he's like angry and vindictive and like yeah, he's a dick to everyone in, in to these everyone. movies. Like I, he's a dick to Aragorn. He's a dick yeah. to like his daughter. Like he's just yeah. angry. He's even a dick to Gandalf. Yeah, like, dude. We were talking about when we were watching the movie because we were like, you know, I'd love to live in Rivendell based on the description of it from The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's a, it's a place for anything. Mm-hmm. And then I was like thinking, yeah, I don't know if I want to hang out with that prick. Like, I don't know if I want. Even so, even so, I don't know like, if I want to hang out with that. If guy. I had to see him like once or twice a day, like, uh, you know, I'm sure. Like, yeah, hey, what's up, Elrond? And he'd be like, boy, <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, I was there three hundred thousand or three three thousand <laughs> years ago. Like, oh, okay, thanks, Hugo. The day the strength of men failed. Yeah. Oh, all right, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, he's very, very serious. Very angry, and then some Very of the, just the, uh, the 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 over which we'll get into later too. The plots that surround uh, the Elrond subplots are not yeah 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 not great. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more as they yeah as we go on. And uh, another thing toward the end of the Fellowship of the Ring, another thing that we had some issues with was Galadriel's gifts to the Fellowship. Yeah, because they switched it up. They switched it up, hard. and I feel like there wasn't much reason for that. No, like. Well, I should take that back. So there is, yeah. I, I think the reason is. that they switch it up is because they took out the fucking scouring of the Shire, yeah. so there was no point in Sam getting a box of box dirt of and a dirt. seed. But yeah. like, a, they they should have done the scouring. We'll get to that later. Yeah. And b, even if they didn't do the scouring, I wish they would have just left that left the that gift in there. First. And the uh, Aragorn's gift is different too, because that's when she gives him the elf stone, right? Yeah, that's not in the movie at all. That's not in the movie at all. And the significance of the elf stone is not in the movie at all. And like, they only say the word Elisar once in the film. And you know who says it? Sauron. What? Yeah. It's when he's staring at the black gate at the end. Mm-hmm. And he's staring at the eye and he like hears him speak to him. Elisar. He says, Elisar. 
yeah, that's the only time we've ever heard the word, which is part of the shortchanging of the Dunedain, you guys. <laughs> the fact that we don't even, the King Elisar, Telkontar and Vinyatar, the Renewer, you know, like we don't even talk about his fucking elf stone that he's known by. Yeah, what the fuck? Like his name is, the, the fact that his name, his name actually is, or takes on the name Elisar. Yeah. It's a, it's a very significant. Very significant. For a number of reasons. Yeah, and they give him that weird hunting knife instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That he ends up like batting away from himself when he's fighting Lurtz. Yeah, the very same. <laughs> Lurtz, the uh, Urukai who was created for the movies. Who we do? I do like Lurtz. I don't. F- I'm I'm fine with Lurtz. They had to have a commander. Yeah, I I liked the character of Lurtz. That whole like you know the fact that he's kind of like a mini boss that we have to f- defeat yeah. at the end of the fellowship, and, and like the, he ends up taking down Boromir. So and the fact that it was one orc just peppering Boromir with with arrows rather than a bunch of them makes it so much more fucking brutal, in my opinion. Mm. That it was just one single orc just like die die die, die. die. oh boromir oof poor guy all right. we're back to our boromir episode <laughs> yeah we yeah we we take a favorable view of boromir here which is apparently controversial according to the internet mm-hmm. but uh yeah so yeah that's pretty much uh, it for the first film i think the first film is uh more or less closest to the to the books and probably the most iconic of of the trilogy i would agree with that yeah because as as we go on i think we're going to end up getting some more and more gripes as things continue to develop in movie land in movie land. So let's jump into the two towers. And the first one we want to talk about here is the, is this trilogy rolls along here. Is 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 it's not a gripe with the films that we have. It's more about our society <laughs> that we live in. Yeah. And that is where are the acting nominations? Yeah, this is one of our biggest problems with with the overall, especially the two towers in Return of the King. Yes, exactly. And like you're not even going to give Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, an, an adding right, an acting. Not role? even a nomination. Like and nominations then, that we should have been get like. Andy Serkis, he still hasn't gotten his due, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, either. And there's still not a motion capture category in, right. the, in the Academy Awards. There and should be. This was the film that should have made them look and say, like, oh, shit, this is art. Right. Like, we need to have a category because for Because he was absolutely voice acting and body acting and face acting. Yeah. All, they were capturing all those things. And he's been doing it fucking ever since. If you ever see any great movies that have, like, great animal, like, combat scenes and Planet stuff, of the it's, Apes. It's, it's fucking Andy Serkis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. And we also like really like Bernard Hill here. We oh yeah, we're huge Bernard Hill fans. Actually, I think that's probably one of the biggest travest- travesties. Was Bernard Hill should have absolutely gotten a nomination for either the Two Towers or Return of the King. Yeah, the Two Towers, I think so. Because yeah. uh, he was absolutely goddamn phenomenal. He's yeah. I I can't imagine Theoden being anyone else. Yeah, me neither. Really. Yeah, he's he's remains my book and. Um, film and some people don't like him on the internet. You should read about those people, Joel. Some oh, people, really? some people hate Bernard Hill. Oh, well, what the fuck? So l- yeah, let us know what you guys think. Hit us up. Does Bernard Hill suck or is he great? Like, you think he's great? Yeah. Or what do you think of these acting nominations that yeah. never were? That never were. And we were talking about Return of the King. It, it wins the record. It ties the record for most wins ever with eleven. But it's also asterisk the only movie to win that number without having any acting category or any acting nominations. Yeah. So yeah. So it tied first place with just the most number of Oscars. So it won literally everything else it was nominated for except acting because it wasn't nominated for acting right but there obviously should have been something given out for acting because the acting in these movies is phenomenal yeah and they won 11 they should have won they should have been nominated for 13 13 yeah at least all right now that that diatribe's over (laughs) yeah so another fun little point we wanted to get into was the orc breeding or i should say kind of the lack thereof breeding let's tread lightly here joel um okay okay okay. (laughs) Um, so in the film (laughs) 
trying to figure out how to phrase this. This is a family show. Um, in the film, orcs come out of slimy holes, holes in the ground, like mud holes, like mud holes, and then they kill the first person that they <laughs> see, which is like a, a human resources nightmare, right? <laughs> like, but uh, yeah. I, I suppose we should clarify the Urukai. The Urukai, yes. So, like, yeah, Saruman is breeding Urukai, and here's the thing: Urukai are known to have man blood in them, as well as is is elf blood, right? Which just gives oh. them their tall stature and stuff. So, I don't want to say the R word, but like, there's a guy. There's a lot of non-consensual breeding, producing, and breeding going on. Here. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, so what Saruman was doing was actually a lot worse than what you think he was doing in the movie. Yeah, I, I definitely understand why they changed it to mud holes. Yeah. But, but it's that just, confuses a lot of people. It's confusing. Yeah, it confuses confusing. a lot of people. Cause I, I can understand why they'd leave out the R-word stuff. Yeah. But uh, but it was definitely implied. Yeah, because it says that orcs breed in the manner of the children of the Levatar. And we all know how... Boom, <laughs> Uh, yeah, birds and the bees. Lot. Yeah, birds and the bees, you know what I'm saying? If you don't know, ask your pops. Or your mops. Or, or your mops. <laughs> Question mark? Non-traditional families. Yeah, we get it. They're out there. Get used to it. <laughs> So you mentioned men a second ago being part of the Urukai. Another thing we wanted to talk about in relation to Saruman and men was uh, where were all the evil men at the Battle of Hornburg? Right. Because we even have, there's even a scene in the Two Towers where it shows Saruman like arousing all the the, the swarthy, yeah. dun, the Dunworthy men to, to fight for him. And then yeah. we don't really ever see them in the in the Battle of the Hornburg. There's no. supposed to be a bunch of men there that end up also getting captured and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I don't and know. It's just Urukai. I think the only reason I can think of that they did that was to maintain their PG-13 rating. Uh, ah, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why orcs have black blood. Because mm-hmm. you imagine, like, think about it. Everybody close your eyes right now, and you think of all your favorite orc slashing, slaying scenes, and imagine red blood instead. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> that's some horror film shit. And, like, yeah, that would never That's where fly. you get your R rating. The, yeah. MPAA, yeah. the MPAA has something specifically against red blood. So. Yeah. Like when the Aragorn hews that the head off that one in Moria, and it just spurts a huge black shoot. Right, and then compare that to when Boromir gets three shafts in his chest. Yeah, and like there's a whole extended scene with him like bleeding out and dying from these wounds. But Mm -hmm. like you look at the wounds, and there's like a touch of red around it, and that's about it. Yeah, but yeah, obviously they wanted to maintain the PG-13 rating, which is understandable. MPAA, you dogs. Yeah, we don't like you. If uh, if you're listening, we we're not fans of you. Go away. Uh, so continuing on the kind of on the subject of the Battle of the Hornburg, Aomer. Why isn't Aomer at the Battle of the Hornburg? Yeah, because they they gave Aomer Erkenbrand's part, which is shafted Erkenbrand, which is dumb. I, I didn't like that they did that. Aomer should have been in the Hornburg with Theoden and and Aragorn, not riding in at the last second like right. Erken, like Erkenbrand. Right. That's yeah. That's ridiculous. Um. Oh, something I wanted to actually talk about right before the Battle of the Hornburg. There's a scene that is just infamous in my mind. That scene where they're where they uh, there's the attack with the wargs and they yeah, <laughs> as yeah, yeah. they're coming on. There's that awful scene of Legolas standing on top of the hill like slow motion, like shooting wargs. Yeah. And yeah. then as the horses ride up behind him, he looks over his shoulder and he's like, oh. Let me grab this horse, and he grabs, and it turns into like a some sw- shitty CG. And he does a shitty like swing up move yeah. and swings around. I hate that. Joel hates all I hate all that. of the like. He hates Legolas worse than I do. I and hate I, the, all the little Legolas shticks, like yeah. surfing down stairs on a fucking shield. Like I was. They uh, they ripped that off from Army of Darkness. Oh yeah, 
Boom. Anyway, yeah, there, that was an ode. I mean, it wasn't a ripoff. It was an ode to one of Peter Jackson's favorite filmmakers, Sam Raimi. But uh, another thing about that same Battle with the Wargs that I think you'd agree with is the fake Aragorn death. Oh, yeah, that was just total uh, weirdness. That, yeah, that felt like such filler stuff. Like, you yeah. didn't need filler, dude. Like, you didn't need it, because, like, the only really reason they separated him from the group was so he could see the army coming in and be, yeah. like, 10,000 strong. Like, you could have had somebody else tell you You could that. have anyone else. You know, like, yeah. they knew that there was an army coming before Aragorn saw it. He was just like, there's a lot. They could have yeah. seen that there was a lot when they got there, too, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. They had to have Aragorn separated. And then that was the whole with the even star thing, which don't even get me on the even star jewel. I don't like it. I know mean, it's, like, a lot, of, a lot of people think it's, like, super romantic and stuff. Oh, I, the uh, necklace that yeah. Arwen gives him that has like her Eldar charm in it or something? Something, yeah. something, something totally uncannon. It makes no sense. But yeah, it's I don't like that shtick at all. Oh yeah, they develop that even worse. Yeah, we're, yeah, which we're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get into a little bit. But yeah, there's a lot of that in that scene too, with mm-hmm. like the whole the jewel thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because yeah. really in the, what we learned in the book, the sign of betrothal between the two is the ring of bear here. Remember? Yeah, he proposes with the ring of bear, ring which of is bear. a pretty awesome. Uh, engagement yeah. ring, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> but uh, actually, let's jump back into the Battle of the Hornburg now. There's another character who is present at the Battle of the Hornburg in the movie that who who isn't supposed to be there, the Lady Eowyn. Yeah. She's not supposed to be at Helm's Deep. She's supposed no, to be taking care of Edoras. She's supposed to be holding down the fort at Edoras, of which she does an amazing job. Right. Like, if you weren't going to have Eowyn there for the sake of fighting to, like, make her look cool, like, why wouldn't you have... Have her do the politicians thing out in Yeah, have Edoras. her do the politicians. She's supposed to have done a really good job doing yeah, that, too. Yeah. So I feel like they just kind of shortchanged her. They shortchanged her, had her sh- uh, cowering in the cave with the women and children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. lame. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of defeated their own purpose there with that. Because they wanted to have Eowyn in the movie more, but you could have just created some Edoras scenes. Right, like yeah. they want, they were going to have Arwen fighting at Helm's Deep. Like, they even recorded some scenes with Arwen fucking there. Like, why not yeah, use yeah. Eowyn? You made Eowyn there when she wasn't supposed to be. Why, why not unleash her? Yeah. <laughs> unleash the power of Eowyn. <laughs> and then, yes, one more, okay, one more Helm's Deep gripe that I really want to get ahead is the elves at Helm's Deep. Yeah, we'd and be remiss to not mention that. We've mentioned this before. Because the Battle of the Hornburg is the defining moment for men in the, in, in the later part of the Third Age. Mm-hmm. It really reasserts Rohan's dominance over the region, and, uh, it also solidifies the alliance with Gondor, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a huge development for like the people of Rohan. It's mm-hmm. great. And it's a defining moment for Erwin, or for uh, Aragorn as well. Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, the the fact that el- uh, elves were there, um, I get that they wanted to, ch- uh, to add some cool action, because elves are fun to watch fight. I felt like it was just kind of unnecessary, though. It was very unnecessary. The elves didn't do much in the battle, <laughs> and uh, it took away the defining it moment. It didn't make men. much sense that they were willing to like fight along men one yeah, last time one for was the Helm's Deep battle, but not for Pelennor Fields, for Pelennor not Fields, yeah. for the big one. That doesn't make any sense. Or the battle. Black Gate, or, or Bla- yeah, yeah, yeah. It just—it was just an inconsistency they decided to throw into this battle that I just wasn't a fan of. And then where, where it gets even more absurd, goal <laughs> is that they bring Haldir, who's yep. like the guy that runs the security guards out at a fucking Lothlorien, essentially, the, right? And he, they bring him in, and then he says he's there on behalf of Elrond. Yeah, like what the fuck which is makes, going on here? Which makes no sense. And then he goes, yeah, and then he—they proceed to kill him off in the battle. Yeah, they kill off a character who, one, doesn't die, and two, isn't even isn't supposed even to there. be there. Another time we've got a character there 
who isn't supposed to be there when you could have just included like a character who is supposed to have yeah, been like, there? Yeah, like like who would who well, I mean even like like what we said earlier, we'll get back to we're going back to this character again. Okay. If if Elrond was going to send anybody from Rivendell in a military expedition, mm-hmm. who would he send? Probably fucking Glorfindel. Probably fucking Glorfindel, the leader of the fucking Rivendell's right. armies. Right. He's the one who would lead against like Angban and shit. Like that's yeah. he's that's totally who would be coming. Yeah, and so, so like they could have if they wanted to have another elf character there, and like even if they honestly if they would have introduced Glorfindel there and then killed him off, I would have been like, well, yeah, that would have made more sense. What are you gonna do? Yeah, but like Haldir. But <laughs> poor Haldir. Yeah, they pulled him off his job watching the. the <laughs> The borders of Lothlorien to have him all the way come to Helm's Deep to die. It's it's, it's a travesty. It's, it is a travesty. Okay, so yeah, there were a handful of things with with uh, the Helm's Deep and the Battle of the Hornburg, but we'll we'll move on from that for now. Um, so another part of the two towers that we wanted to touch on was another character, Faramir. Yeah, Faramir. Faramir. We talked about this a little bit in his episode in the mm-hmm. character profile we did. Faramir's just uh, all wrong in the second film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better in the third film. Yeah, it gets better, but, but especially in the second film, it's just yeah. You, you you mentioned a name for him. Oh yeah, people on the internet call him Filmamir. <laughs> Filmamir. <laughs> I thought that was super appropriate. Yeah, because it's a completely different character. Yeah, he's some like angry, distrustful asshole who beats up creatures that are way smaller than him. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Yeah, and, and then like they try to like. It's almost like they're two different characters because in the third movie, like they have that scene with uh, him and Pippin where he talks about like the military uniform never fit me. I never liked that shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. I liked, you know, art and playing around and having fun. And Boromir was the one that was like, let's go kill animals and people, you know? And like, here, Faramir is the one kicking the shit out of Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> like interrogating yeah. him. And I don't think Boromir would have kicked the shit out of Gollum. Like, I don't know. No, it was just weird. The the char- the their character of Faramir, spe- specifically during the two towers, was just weird to us. Yeah, just very uh, like I don't know. If he was they... not nearly as fair as Faramir is supposed to be, supposed and like be. we're supposed to get that right off the bat with him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're, we're supposed to know that this isn't. That's what's this supposed isn't, to be so different about him. Yeah, this isn't Boromir. You're supposed to know that like immediately. Like this is a different dude. Mm-hmm. The fact that he never gets pissed off, even though. Like they're taunting him, like in their conversation, you know, mm-hmm. basically, like like when he's like, it was good enough for. <laughs> Remember the part in the episode where we said all oh, the Rangers went ew. Oh yeah, it was, was like it was good enough it was for good Boromir. enough for Boromir. Ooh. Ooh. No, he keeps his cool. Cool's a cucumber. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He d- and um, yeah. He resists. He resists the ring outright. Like I don't want it. He doesn't like. I'm gonna capture you and then do something which is next on the list here. <laughs> take you for unexplicable, unexplicable reasons take you straight to us Gilead, where there's a battle raging right now that you know that the en- that they have the one thing the enemy is desperately looking for and needs to win everything let's take it right to a battle yeah. prone area where By the, the way, enemy is who is uh, commanding the forces at the battle of us Gilead? Probably the the Witch King. The Witch King, yeah. Who's also what's his second job? What's his he moonlights as finding the fucking ring, right? Like that's kind of his job. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, this yeah. It's just all around doesn't make sense. There's no reason for Faramir to do that. No reason at all. Another thing uh we should get into uh which we were gonna talk about earlier, but we skipped it. Sam and Frodo, their uh their drama in the two towers that 
Oh yes. Is inserted by the film. Yeah, so I understand like with the whole timeline splitting, like you've got to find a way to like make their two-man journey, I guess, a little more eventful. Yeah, eventful is a good word. But eventually they start getting this weird like Sam Frodo Golem drama, like mm. a weird, I don't want to say a love triangle. It's it like a weird like a love friend triangle. triangle. Yeah, it's kind of like a love triangle. And it causes a bunch of really in- a bunch of stupid drama that just makes Frodo seem like a little bitch, basically. Like, yeah, he seem, makes him seem like a easy, easily deceptive, deceived kind of dumb, shitty friend. Yeah, too. and like, I think that's ultimately our gripe is that this whole like weird Sam Frodo Gollum drama just makes Frodo seem like a little whiny piece of shit. Well, and then it, it totally it undermines the rock solid friendship that was uh, Sam and Frodo. Right, that was you know, supposed to be the whole reason, you know, what was special about Sam going with him and everything. Yeah, is that they're friends to the end. But yeah, and then there's also, while we're talking about inserted drama, let's talk about the Erwin and Arwen, sorry, Aragorn and Arwen drama. Yeah, more more drama that they just needed to kind of put in there. I, like, I understand they didn't have many female characters to pick from for this film franchise, sure. so they had to sort of, like, take the ones that were there and make a little more of them. And they've already done that with Arwen. They, you know, she was at the Fords of Barinan. They almost included her at Helm's Deep, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, this whole, like, weird, like... I don't know, trial of love between them where like he's like, no, I can't be with you because I might have to do this. There was never any of that. No, it was like, we're doing this. Like from the beginning. It was very much a very Baron and Luthien thing. Yeah. Right. Like they're supposed to be almost an exact copy of Baron and Luthien. Because like Baron, like Baron, he was told that he had to do something almost impossible to achieve his daughter's hand. Right. Yeah. Which is almost exactly what Elrond tells him. Yeah. Elrond, again, not being a dick because he's not a (laughs) dick to Aragorn like he fucking is in the movies. He's like, you can't marry my daughter. She's sailing for Valinor, dude. Leave her alone. Yeah, that's him in the movie. Yeah, it's more just like... like if you're trying to do this, just uh, she deserves the best. Yeah, she deserves deserves nothing less than the High King of the Dunedain. Exactly, and that's what you really need to do, my stepson. Yeah. Anyway, like mm-hmm. that's really what you need to do first, is what he's saying. <laughs> like, and then mm-hmm. then we'll deal with this mm-hmm. marriage stuff. Yeah, it was all very friendly with Elrond. Yeah, I mean, he's not. It wasn't as like vindictive as Thingol. Like, I'm sending you off to your death. He he gave him a goal that was like somewhat attainable that he should have been doing anyway. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, but the yeah, the, the, in general, the uh, drama between Arwen and Aragorn just kind of I didn't need it, and that creates more weird shit that we're gonna talk about in the next section here too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that uh, yeah, just the Arwen and Elrond stuff. I just don't, I don't dig, man. I used that was when I always would go get a soda from the fridge, you know, like right. I I never really liked those those scenes. So let's touch on another character from the Two Towers, uh, King Theoden. Uh, overall, like we really loved King Theoden's character, right? But uh, I think it's more of a writing thing. It's a writing thing. It's yeah. a writing thing. They had Theoden's character have some like hesitation about allying with Gondor, like some disdain for yeah. them because they didn't like help them in the past or something like that. Like where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Yeah. Where was Gondor when our enemies closed in around us? No, Lord Aragorn. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, that part is while it is a cool speech, it doesn't. It goes against the because the especially if you go back and you read the how the relationship between Gondor and uh, and and Rohan started with the story of Kyrian and uh, Errol the Young, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it's a ride or die situation. Like these these two will come to each other's aid for anything. Like they gave them a whole country for helping them out. Mm-hmm. Like and then they love the Rohirrim love their country too. They love the land. Oh yeah, it's. Perfect. 
perfect for the horses. Yeah, and it was gifted to them for for doing something that they didn't know they were going to be paid back for. Mm-hmm. You know, they just did it to be nice, <laughs> and they got repaid this beautiful land. And so, like, they have this relationship where, like, Theoden would know that as soon as he's done dealing with his shit, he's got to go help uh, Gondor deal with, with theirs. Mm-hmm. That's just how things are. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So we just thought that was kind of unnecessary because then I feel like that also kind of downplays Theoden's character because he's supposed to be a little fairer than he is. Yeah, he's in, he's yeah, more duty driven. Like mm-hmm. you know. Oh, another character that gets played <laughs> down. They uh, this one's actually more grievous than I think we give it credit for. Yeah, it's true. Um, we always laughed at it when we were kids watching the movies, yeah. but as we get older. But now we're just like, damn, that's kind of just degrading. What uh, it's the character of Gimli. Yeah, and Gimli is, uh, uh, for background, is uh, a nobleman, a uh, noble person of the family of the the Durance folk. Yeah, right of the Lonely Mountain. Mm-hmm. So he's like a royalty essentially of this like pretty high fair uh group of uh of dwarves already and they kind of reduce him to like a, a moron i would say like a they use him <laughs> as, a, as the butt of jokes often <laughs> yeah, he's like often, he can't run he he's can't run over, fast and honestly they make it look like kill as well as is legolas. legolas and they make it honestly look like that he's not even that good of a fighter like all his kills are real sloppy right yeah they make him like funny like derpy no, he's a motherfucker. He has yeah. like throwing axes, light mm-hmm. axes, and double sided, like heavy battle axes. Yeah. Like, he kills that one orc by hitting it in the balls. Yeah. In the final Hell's Deep. I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> he just slides under its legs <laughs> and then cuts its wiener yeah. in half <laughs> with an axe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when we were kids, we ate that shit up. Oh, but, like, yeah. Hook, line, sink. I don't know. I, I feel like that does kind of do a little disrespect to the character of Gimli because he's a pretty awesome character. Yeah. And that's the kind of shit we see underlying what really came to fruition in the Hobbit movies mm-hmm. with that, I would say, out racist uh, depiction of dwarves. That yeah, that did. was just like, uh, yeah, that was like this, the same kind of thing, but on, on crack. It was yeah, way it worse was way, in the Hobbit movies. But we, wrote, we, already, we already talked about that. Oh, God. <laughs> Refer back to episodes one and two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get back into let's get uh, let's get into the third film. Let's yeah. That's about all we had for the two towers. Let's yeah. Let's dump jump into the third film because there's a lot of things that they kind of started in the earlier two films we didn't like that culminated into in worse third, yeah. things in the Return of the King. Granted, the Return of the King is arguably it's like tied for my favorite. We talked about this yeah previously. My favorite film of the films is kind of a tie between the first and the third. I think I usually go with the first because it's the most iconic. But yeah. See, I'm always the second. The third one. is just epic as all fuck. Yeah, the third one is is one of the greatest like filmmaking making undertakings of all time too. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's huge in every way, shape, and form mm-hmm. that it can be. Yeah, you don't they they make movies like that once in a lifetime. Like mm-hmm. really, like and we're we're privileged to have uh, seen that that movie in theaters when yeah. it came out. It was. Yeah, I remember as a child seeing that in theaters. It blew me away. Yeah, I saw it five times in theaters, which ties my record for seeing things in theaters <laughs> with uh, Mad Max Fury Road. My parents were only willing to bring us like three times. Oh, only, yeah. Bring them to the three and a half hour movie only three times. Only three times. <laughs> so The Return of the King. Uh, let's start off uh, early on in the film. Uh, personally, I wasn't a huge fan of the conversation with Saruman at uh, Orthanc. No, this is a, this is a mock-up scene between two different parts of the book. Really, there's the the voice of mm-hmm. Sauron, uh, Saruman, the chapter that a lot of this dialogue comes from, and then there's the scouring the Shire, which was cut out. Yep. So they kind of like uh, shoehorn two scenes here together, which I don't think it's a a bad scene. It's kind of a weird scene, to be honest. Like like you said, he's like talking on the top of the. 
Yeah, the tower. like I understand he's supposed to have like that voice thing, but then like Theoden is also talking back to him, and like <laughs> yeah. Theoden and Grima are talking to each other softly, and like yeah, it's not the uh, it's not the uh, the voice of Saruman, it's the ears of Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> can, that motherfucker can hear. Maybe it's like I don't know that you know how like the TARDIS when the TARDIS is around, yeah, <laughs> it has know, like the, t- the telepathy effect where to like yeah, translate language, language and things, and like people understand you, you understand them. Yeah, maybe that's what Saruman does. Maybe I don't know. But I just, I didn't like how the whole conversation was, like, on the very top of War Thing. Like, I understand it's supposed to be dramatic, but, like, yeah. they already showed him... Uh, from the balcony. Yeah, yeah we From talked, the balcony yeah. in the two towers. There was a scene That's where he enough. was uh, in the balcony talking to Grimm. He's like, we need a, uh, you know, we need an army of thousands. And Saruman's like, we're tens of thousands. And he's like, but my lord, there is no such army. And they walk out onto the balcony. Oh, boom. Yeah. Oh, and then Grima starts to, like, cry. Yeah, this is That's a single a cool, tier. I love I that I love that scene. scene. It's fucking awesome. That's yeah. such a cool... But, like, why couldn't they have used that awesome, that same, like, kind of shot yeah. and, like, that same balcony was really dramatic and cool? Well, we figured out why, remember? And it, oh, yeah. It leads into this next point. Next point. I also wasn't hugely pleased with the death of Saruman. That was our next point. Yes, that was our next point. And, like, uh, I, I said... Uh, just thinking of from a completely base perspective, I was like, well, it wouldn't be as cool for him to fall and be stabbed on that thing from that balcony. It, it had to be from the top of the tower. Yeah. Like, After you said that, I was like, oh, I understand. Oh. Yeah, yeah, falling off the top of the tower and then landing on a big spiky <laughs> wheel is way more metal than like falling off a balcony. Yeah, yeah, like so. And just in general, I wasn't pleased with the fact that they killed off Saruman only because that eliminates the whole scouring of the Shire. Right, which is where he's supposed to get his comeuppance. Right, yeah. but yeah, so that's really where my my gripe with the death of Saruman comes from. Otherwise, that whole scene is, re- like we said, really fucking cool. Yeah. Really like how gnarly that death is, just falling and just shunk. Mm-hmm. And we said we said we weren't really going to talk about this, but here's a, a moment on it. They totally cut that out of the theatrical. That wasn't in there at all. Yeah, and it totally leaves the open ending. What has Saruman? They don't. Yeah, they don't even really address Saruman in no. the theatrical. They just walk up to Orthanc and and the treebeard. Treebeard says that the filth of Saruman's washing away, and that's about it. And you're yeah. like, oh. what? Is he taking a bath? Like, yeah. What does that mean? Is he, is he washing is his he taint? Like, what are you talking about? Is he like, like doing time? Is he getting better? <laughs> Do you see a psych or something? Like what the yeah. fuck does that mean? Yeah. He's on Clonopin now. He's Oh no, he's, he's dead. Fine. He's dead. Oh no, he yeah, he's the he dead. Again. <laughs> Treebeard's like, no, him. he fell off Orthanc and landed on a spiky <laughs> wheel just before you walked up. I oh, heard I, shit. I heard, I don't know if this is true, when that movie came out that that, uh, like when the the third film was coming out, because that was on the cutting room floor, they cut it out mm. of the film, mm-hmm. that had leaked to the press and I think New Zealand, but I'm not sure. Oh. And people were pissed off because they thought it was Gandalf. Because all, there was oh, like, because there was like only three seconds of footage. So it was like, white figure falls. <laughs> and they were like, oh, oh no. It, yeah, yeah that, I would have been losing my mind if I thought they were about to kill Gandalf. Especially like, in that oh, way. Yeah, that would have been brutal. <laughs> and then just sinks into the water, yeah. yeah. No, Gandalf does not deserve that kind of death. No. But yeah, so the death of Saruman seemed kind of double-edged sword. There were a handful of things we didn't like, but overall... It was gnarly. Gnarly? Cool. Gnarly as yeah. hell. And then, yeah, just more Frodo and Sam drama, which really comes more to a head with the, uh, you know, Gollum pitting the two against each other. Yeah, this is really where it gets bad. Like, when Gollum does, like, the whole throw the bread over the side and, like, frame Sam, that whole, and the fact that Frodo yeah, falls fuck? for it is yeah. just outrageous. It's yeah. outrageous. That's, that seemed all pretty silly and filler. 
And uh, again, just wanted to touch on uh, Theoden, because in The Return of the King, there's even more of a little bit of like drama and hesitation with Theoden when it comes to helping Gondor. He wasn't about to right away. Right. But uh, he, as we know, he does ultimately follow through. But like, I don't know, like we said, Is kind of a th- disservice to Theoden. Like he knew at the Hornburg yeah. that he was going to end up going to help Gondor after that. Like it was a nonstop thing, just like... Mm-hmm. This is what we got to do. Yeah, we got to take care of our stuff and then we got to go help our buddies. Mm-hmm. Is it in the third film, the beacons are lit scene where everyone like... Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like everyone like kind of looks at him like, oh shit, like, what's is he this, Is say? he actually going to do it? And he's like... Rohan will answer. Which is cool. It's kind of a cool scene. Master Master Rohirrim. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. is Master Rohirrim. That guy hitting the bell. Yeah. We were we were talking about as we watched that 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 movie. There's a lot of weird jobs in Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah, and like one of them would be banging the bell. The other one would be with the guy that works at the beacons. Yeah, the whoever has to fucking hang out at those goddamn beacons yeah. up in the mountains. Like that's got to be a shitty job. That's got to be some kind of punishment. Yeah, and, and then imagine after like if you actually have to light it. Yeah, the worst job would have to be schlep more wood up there. Yeah. To put the beacon back. Yeah, because after you light it, you got to replace it. Who brings all that fucking wood up those mountains, man? Yeah, some of them were above the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> is there even enough, first, is there enough oxygen up there to even burn? <laughs> like, Got to get the eagles to help you out with that shit. Yeah. Oh, and uh, another point we wanted to get into, once again, like we mentioned, other stuff from the earlier movies that just kind of culminates even more so in these. Yeah. The whole Elrond Arwen Aragorn drama just really hits the fan in this one. Mm-hmm. And there's like a, at this point in the third film, Arwen is going to Valinor. Yeah, like her dad guilt tripped her guilt into trips leaving her Middle into Earth. Leaving, which is a dick thing to do, which Elrond would never, never do. Never ever do. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, so he guilt trips her into leaving, even though he knows exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> right. He's got <laughs> foresight. Yeah. So he's just being a dick and like doesn't want i don't know if it's racism or what it is that he doesn't want his daughter to it almost seems like it's a little racist yeah that's what it came off to to me as Mm. middle earth racism Mm -hmm. um but yeah dude i don't know what these scenes are so she's about to leave and then she has like a vision yeah that's what really hit it yeah (laughs) the vision of like a child in the woods and stuff like uh, specifically just the vision like <laughs> and it had the fucking <laughs> necklace on too. a vision of a son like yeah that's not the only kid that like they have two daughters where like if they're gonna have vision of the kids why not show like all three of the kids all three right? of them laughing fuck, playing fuck the yeah. daughters i guess just they're gonna have she's gonna have run some random vision of just her son yeah you saw my son you saw there was life you saw my son yeah not some of the greatest acting in the film either in that scene but uh yeah i don't like that stuff at all really yeah yeah just most yeah i think a lot of that's just stemming from elrond being a dick yeah and like why i don't i just don't understand like so she was like planning on marrying the king of gondor who haven't had a king because they had a childless king that got lost right with Aranur. they haven't mm-hmm. had a king since mm-hmm. so she thinks she's gonna marry this dude and then not have children right like obviously like that's the, the obvious conclusion. why was she so surprised to hear about kids like, yeah like why was she so like oh we had a son well yeah you're, you're married if this is tolkien like that's what happens this like, is didn't did you know? <laughs> did you read the books did dude? you know yeah. arwen this is fucking tolkien that's what we do <laughs> like you know i'm not trying to sound sexist or anything like it's her role to bear him a son or whatever but like it's the logical conclusion but that's right? yeah at, within that culture that is described that's obviously what would have happened would have happened yeah mm-hmm. so like for her to be like yeah well i wanted to get married to him and stuff but then well since i saw that we were gonna have a kid it changes everything like yeah no you you should have known that that was absolutely a possibility if not yeah. you know if not a certainty it almost sort of makes it seem like they didn't know that were possible until then 
You know, like, oh, elves can have kids with he- people? We like, can do that? Yeah. You told know. me men didn't have penises. <laughs> yeah, and then Elrond's just like, knowing well, full well that his dad was a dude. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> yeah, Elrond's half and half. Like, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, uh, Mo- moving off of Moving Elrond. forward. Oh, there's a great line by Gimli that I that I guess bothered me when I heard it. There was the one where they're uh, getting all the people together for Pelennor Fields, and he's like, "Horsemen! I wish I could summon an army of dwarves, fully armed and filthy." Yeah, I love that line, "fully armed and filthy." And like ever since he said that. I have, as a kid, I've fantasized about what an army of fucking dwarves would be like. I feel like they would be horribly badass, mm-hmm. just super. I mean, they fought dragons and shit in the first stage. Oh, yeah, totally. And uh, as soon as I heard that line, I was like, yeah, that's too fucking bad that that does actually happen now. Like, they tried to make that happen in the prequel, and they just made yeah, it look, look like a bunch of fucking idiots running around riding pigs. Army and, like, of fucking clowns that show <laughs> up, yeah. Like a bunch of fucking, like, Scottish jokers riding pigs <laughs> that just... What the fuck? Yeah, it's just not not impressive. It just made me sad. Because I was looking forward to that shit so much. Ever since that line, mm-hmm. I wanted to see dwarves fight. Fully armed and filthy. Fully armed and filthy. Yeah. They were fighting at the Battle of Dane. Like, as They're... they spoke, right? Because it was near the same time as the Battle of Minas Tirith. Oh, yeah, the Battle of Dale? Dale is it? Yeah, yeah, the Battle sorry. of Dale happened at the same time as Pelennor Fields. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were about to get fully armed and filthy up there. Up there they were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Up in Erebor. Yeah, that would have been fucking cool to see. <laughs> this one makes me laugh. <laughs> um, this is, comes from one of the lines in the Arwen uh, Elrond scenes. Oh yeah, this is the last. I think this is the last point we want to touch on with uh, the Arwen, uh, Arwen Elrond Aragorn drama. Is there's a line where Ar, uh, Elrond says um, to Aragorn, "To Aragorn, Arwen's fate is now tied to the fate of the Ring." What? Why? And then <laughs> what's just funny, like, I came up, I was telling, like, that's like saying Joel's fate is now tied to the fate of climate change. Well, like, yeah. But, like, but I'm like, not... But, like, no. You know, why <laughs> would I actively be, like, dying and getting sicker? I don't know. Yeah, like, in the... Yeah, she's tied to the fate of the ring in the same way that the whole fucking world is going to end if the ring isn't destroyed. Yeah, like, you know? sure. But, like, yeah, all of a sudden, she's, like, actively dying. And she's like, as Sauron's power grows, hers diminishes. Hers diminishes. Like, what? Why? When did this why association yeah, come like, into effect? And how does that even work? Like, Galadriel's not being affected by this, but Arwen just is. Arwen? Like, what? She's, like, dying some... Ugh. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have seen him one last time. What, what the fuck? What? No. What is this? Hell no. Oh, the, that's why that was in there. Because that scene was... <laughs> I was like, why did we put that there? That's because it's in the dim halt, which is where we're about to get yeah, to. Yeah, that's year. because that happens right before the dim halt. Yep. Yeah. Because right, that's when uh, that's when Elrond finally gives him the sword. Andrew, yeah. And then he also spews that shitty Arwen line. And he's like, you got to take the dim halt road. Yeah. Put and aside the ranger. Become who you were born to be. Which is funny because... The def- chieftain of the Dunine is the king. Like it's just a different right. guy. Like it's just right. the same guy. It's a different title because right. they they would be. It'd be weird to call a king a king if he didn't have a kingdom, right? Right. And that whole like put aside the ranger and be what you were born to be. That's what he said when he turned twenty one. Exactly. <laughs> like he's exactly. been ready. He's been getting ready since then. That didn't happen now. That happened when he turned twenty one. Yeah. And Dimholt as well is when we get further shortchanging of the Dunedain. Yeah, when they actually uh, take the road. Yeah, and there's no Dunedain Rangers that show up. They're supposed to roll deep with yeah, the, the Great Company, remember? Galadriel yeah. has a whole prophecy about the Great Company, remember? Mm-hmm. The Great Company rides from the north, son. Like, I don't know. And, like, they just it seemed like at every turn to make the rain, like, Aragorn seem like this, like, strange dude that just came from these, <laughs> like, wilderness people that, like, like, they're talking about in Bree when the hobbits describe Bree, mm-hmm. there's three different types of people that live there there's hobbits, 
There's the middlemen, the, the kind of tall, you know, regular yeah. ass people. And then there's the tall, dark haired rangers. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're a group of known people. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they dude. totally shortchanged them. Like, this was supposed to be one of the big Dune or Die moments where you get rangers from the north, and I think some from the south, too, in the Grey Company. I think it's. I think they're all from the north. Are they all from the north? Yeah. Okay. We also Elrodan and Elrond here were supposed to be there, right? Who are also guardians of the North. Kingdom, yeah. So right? this was supposed to be like the ultimate group of badass dudes, and uh, they cut it down to just the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they roll in there with, um, you know, the banner of Elendil, and they're like, "We're mm-hmm. the Dune of Nine. Come fight with us." Yeah, they're supposed to go up to that like super smooth round stone or whatever and do all that. But yeah, what's that stone called? Stone of Eric. Stone of Eric. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Go. I was going to be, oh man, impressed with myself. Very well done. <laughs> but instead of the Stone of Eric, we get that scene like in a cave underground. Right. Which is next just. Next to a hole with like a, with like a, an avalanche of skulls. Yeah. That part is weird, dude. Like they, I remember when I saw the extended edition, I was like, this is fucking weird. Like this has nothing to do with what's going on right now. Right. The skull wave or whatever. Because they cut all that out of the theatrical, which in my opinion was good riddance. That mm. was weird to have in the first place. Yeah. It, it felt just kind of like filler. Like, uh, like we don't want to say, we don't want to compare it to the Hobbit, but it's sort of like the dragon chase scene in the Hobbit. Sort of like the dragon chase scene at the end of uh, the desolation of Smog. Yeah. Just some shitty filler. But yeah, the dim halt is just uh yeah another way to shaft the Dunedine and um just some other weird story choices. Ultimately, I really love what they did with the dead army and everything. That dead turned out great. Cool. Yeah, I mean they they brought them to Pelennor Fields, which they didn't do in the book, but like that that's cool. Like that's I'm fine with that because they would have had to explain like Aragorn going through this whole like recruiting process down south. Right. And, like, yeah. yeah. They didn't include any of that. It was just the three of them. So yeah. All right, so let's jump into, uh, let's get into Minas Tirith, some Minas Tirith stuff. Yeah, yeah. And first and foremost, when you got, when you talk about Minas Tirith in the film is, where the fuck is Baragon? Baragon was a great <laughs> character, and his loss is definitely felt. Like, yeah. him and his, and his awesome son. His kid, yeah, they're great characters. And, uh, yeah, they just totally shafted him from the, from the movie, man. I don't know what. Shafted. Shafted, yeah, we had to bring up Baragon because mm-hmm. he's one of our faves. He's, he's, yeah, he is one of our favorites, hands down. Another scene uh, that we take pretty big umbrage with is uh, the scene, which is a cool scene. In the it movie. is a cool scene. It's, it's exciting. Cool scene. It's an exciting ass scene when uh, the Witch King and Gandalf uh, come face to face. Yeah, so Gandalf and Pepin are riding up to help Faramir, who is about to be burned alive, and then the Witch King flies up and stops him. It was like oh, this, is, yeah. this is a really cool. This scene was supposed to happen when the gates they burst the open. Gates, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you not know death when you see it, old man? This is one of my favorite. I love all the Witch King lines. This is my hour. And then he uses his, the vacuum power that he has. It's yeah, always sounds like the power of vacuums that he uses. I always thought it was cool because, like, the flames on his sword that erupt when he does that mm-hmm. aren't, like, flaming out. They're, like, flaming in. Flaming in, yeah. Yeah, well, like, he's sucking stuff, like, into it. It's crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, but w- the, anyway, <laughs> we're talking about how cool the scene is. <laughs> it's, it's fucking rock and roll, dude. Yeah. So, basically, the issue we took was the fact that Gandalf looks like he's about to get fucking bested there. Like, the Witch King blows up his staff? Yeah. And I think the uh, another reason I came up with that is cause, just because they had Gandalf dual-wielding in that one scene. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to have him dual wield for the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. it would have been very taxing for Ian probably mm-hmm. as well. And it's just it's hard to choreograph fight scenes with uh, the two weapons. Mm-hmm. So I think they just didn't want to have him dual wield at the Battle of the Black Gate, which is why they broke the staff. Gotcha. Pers- I mean, it's 
my theory. I don't know if that's okay, true. That's, uh, I mean, that makes sense. It was just like Gandalf is a Maiar. He would not succumb to the power of the Witch King. An angry ghost. Like I, in the book, they build that up so much. Like right, in, right as the gate front gate opens, and he's like, "All right, Gandalf's, Gandalf's like he's standing stand, there, yeah, he's, and he's, he's standing his ground, and he's like, this could be a battle, but like I'm ready for it.' Yeah. And then the Witch King walks, and he says his lines, but then he fucking leaves because that's yeah. when the Rohirrim get there. Mm-hmm. You cannot enter here. I love when uh, that it kind of reminds me of that scene in John Wick too, where he's like going through that party after he just killed uh, the that one girl. Oh yeah, yeah. And he sees his like his his friend, and he's like, "You work." John, he's like, yeah, and they just kind of stare at each other for a second. Oh yeah, that's that, that's that reminds me of. It's just like we're about to. Are we about to throw down? Are we about to? And oh yeah, they have that moment yeah. where like they know each other and they're kind of friends, but like obviously they're working at different to mm-hmm. different ends right now. Yeah, and they're like, are we gonna throw down? And then some like other shit happens and they can't throw down. That's basically what uh what that scene reminded me of because like the Rohirrim show up and then mm-hmm. they we never get to see that battle. Mm-hmm. But we all know Gandalf would have won that battle. Oh, yeah. Gandalf definitely would have won that battle. Uh, also, uh, just on the note of uh, Pelennor Fields, we think it's pretty shitty that they killed all those fucking elephants to make the battle. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? I mean, it was like 2002. Like, Man, I mean, yeah. There were a lot of elephants, man. There's so many. Yeah, like, I think I read like 30 or 40 elephants were killed. <laughs> they didn't kill any They elephants. didn't kill any elephants, They didn't kill guys. any elephants, I know if you're yeah. out there right now, like, there's some animal activists. Holy shit, they killed 30 elephants making this movie? No. Oh, God. We thought, I, that was a joke that we made while we were watching the movie, and we thought it was funny, so we put it yeah, in the Yeah, we were, we were watching it, and uh, yeah, we were a little fucked up. We are just like, man, it sucks they killed all these elephants <laughs> yeah. to make this movie. The shittiest thing about this part is all the elephants they killed. <laughs> oh, on the subject of elephants or olifants... Legolas taking down an Oliphant. See, I, I like this. I think that's cool, but mm, Joel hates it. I didn't like. See, like I said earlier, I don't like all these these fucking Legolas, you know, shticks. That he, if they had like Legolas get some cool shticks and that's what we, Gimli we, get some cool shticks and yeah. Aragorn get some cool shticks. But we, we came to the compromise that like in that battle, if they were going to have him do something like that, just should have had like a little extended cool sequence for each of the three hunters because it makes it look like Legolas is just like carrying the rest of the fellowship like that's right. totally not it's not the case he's, a, he's more of a minor character he wouldn't even literally carry them when he wouldn't sink in the snow and they did <laughs> what a dick what a dick so let's shift back to some Frodo and Sam action how okay. about that um, so right now we're talking uh, our next point is the Watchers mm-hmm. totally shafted the- oh yeah the Watchers at the Tower of... Uh, of Kirithungul. Of Kirithungul. Yeah, there's like a magical barrier there that Sam has... To, there's these two like hideous-looking statues, and they're in the movie. You see him walk past them. Yeah, and they look cool in the yeah, movie. Yeah, they look cool. They look cool. <laughs> but they keep... So in the movie, they are... They, well, they're there, but they just don't do anything. Yeah, so when he's enter when Sam's by himself and he's entering ki- the tower of Kirithungul to go find Frodo after Frodo's been captured. This is after the spider and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just yeah, walks right up. He hits right like a by. physical barrier. He's yeah. supposed to hit a physical fucking barrier, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he holds up the light of Arendil and he says some shit in Elvish, right? That's and really cool, yeah. And then it it, uh, it fucking boom dissipates, but only for a second because he mm-hmm. hears it, he says he feels the magic closing around him when he when he steps yeah, through. Yeah, after he walks through, and then it's almost like an alarm goes off, like mm-hmm. a screech. Yeah, and I think Sam says a funny line where he's like, "Now you've gone and rung the front doorbell or something." Yeah, he says. that 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 whole that whole situation just always terrified me. Like, oh my god, there's some like screeching alarm going off now. Like mm-hmm. Sam's fucked. Like, yeah, dude. it just makes the moment so more dramatic. But no, we didn't get any watcher action. No, yeah, and that was it. Kind of shafts the light of your too. Yeah, shafted, shafted. And this also leads into some of more of this Kirithungul stuff. This 
Um, Sam doesn't get his big moment, which we talked about in the Sam episode at length. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets his big moment where he's actually wearing, like he has the ring mm-hmm. by himself and he looks over into Mordor and he gets this huge temptation yep. to take the ring and claim it for his own. And it says that he would like, he has this vision of himself like with a flaming sword, like going after Sauron himself and like he, he turns, uses his power to like turn uh, Mordor into like a green, uh, oh, lush like gardens, and- gardens and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's like, "All I had to do, all you got to do, is take that ring and say it's yours." And Sam's like, "Nope, that's not me." And that moment, that moment's not in the movie, which kind of sucks, right? It, yeah, they definitely don't give Sam his moment. That's supposed to happen actually right before he enters the tower Kira of Kirithungal to yeah. find Frodo. They, yeah, yeah. So they cut that moment out entirely, and that's supposed to be a really pivotal moment for his character, for Sam. Yeah. Okay, so jumping back to the rest of the Fellowship, Gandalf, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, and such. Um, the Last Debate. So in the movie, The Last Debate is uh, literally just those characters, plus I think Theoden and Eomer. Yeah. And they're just like standing. Well, no, in. Theoden's dead. Oh, that's right. Theoden's dead. Theoden's dead. Oh. So it's, I think it's Eomer, uh, Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, and Gandalf. That's it, right? That's it, yeah. And they're just hanging out like in the old throne room. Yeah. <laughs> like up in up in Minas Tirith, but like it's supposed to be in a tent outside with outside, like, yeah, with like a couple of Rohirrim there, mm-hmm. and uh, Prince Imrahil is supposed Imrahil to be is there, and, and the Sons of Elrond are the there. Sons of Elrond, Elrond and Elrond here. One of the my favorite parts with the Sons of Elrond is like when they finally decide that they're going to go on the suicide mission. He's like, they say like this was our father's counsel, and we come to do this. Yeah, they're like this is period. What, yeah, like, this is what we came to do anyway. So yeah. <laughs> glad you guys finally decided on it. Let's do this. I love Elrond and Elrond here. They they just took it personal. That's oh what yeah, they did. There are a couple very matter of fact motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. They just they had some terrible shit in their life happen to them with their family, and then mm-hmm. they just took it personal, and they've just been dealing. Just they've just been taking out orcs ever since. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple of badasses shafted. Shafted. Um. So let's touch on the uh, the Battle of the Black Gate, the mouth of Sauron. Yeah, let's get into it. I do like this scene generally, and I'm sad that they cut it from the theatrical. Yeah, that it would. It is a really odd. This is what you know. Like we said, we're not. Why we didn't decide to review the theatricals because we would have been sitting here forever just talking right, right. about scenes that, cut, that they cut out from the theatrical. Yeah. But since they actually did them the justice of making those scenes, yeah, it was it was a cool scene. This, I'm glad they included it. And this is a scene that loses its effectiveness for one reason that the and one it's one of the hugest reasons between the books and the movies mm-hmm. is the narrative style. Yes. And that is that there are split timelines in the book. Yeah. So so we hear everything about Frodo and Sam after we hear everything about the Broken Fellowship. So mm-hmm. the Battle of Minas Tirith, all that shit, Blackgate, that happens before we've heard anything. So the last we've heard from Frodo and Sam at that point when we see the mouth of Sauron is that Frodo's been captured. Oh yeah, that's right. Right. And then mm-hmm. he shows up with the mithril coat, and he's like, "Yeah, we, we got, got your boy. We got you." Yeah, and then and then they're like, "Oh shit, this isn't good." Yeah, and even the audience has no context that he's alive. Exactly, so yeah. so at that point, even the audience is like, "Oh shit!" It had, yeah, it holds a lot more weight. Yeah, it held a lot, lot more weight with the the way the timelines were, and I think that was ultimately the reason they cut it from the movie. But mm-hmm. um, is, is the character designs cool? I like uh, Mouth of Sauron. Yeah, the character in general was pretty cool. But he does one thing that really pisses me off. What's that? He refers to Anduril as an elvish blade. Oh, yeah. He says it takes more than a broken elvish made to blade to make a king. That's the last thing he says before, before he gets Aragorn, beheaded. Yeah. Cuts it off. Except it's not a fucking elvish blade. It's a dwarvish blade. It's a blade. dwarvish blade. Well, Come on. I suppose it's kind of both now because the elves reforged But he it. didn't know that. Right, no, he's a dick. <laughs> No, he's a piece of shit. He doesn't know that. Yeah, it's totally Telcar's blade, bitches. Give him some credit. Give him some fucking credit. But um, everything pretty much from that point on to almost the end of the film is pretty much perfect. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, they wrap things up very well, like ending off all these storylines. There's like three or four endings that they had the, to end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but the biggest grievance we have with the Return of the King film, mm-hmm. and you can go back and see our season three finale about this: the scouring of the Shire. No scouring. No scouring of the Shire. Completely changes the tone. We've said this a million times. Million, million, million times. And uh, yeah, it completely changes the tone. It and it doesn't truly capture how dark the ending of the Lord of the Rings is. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Lord of the Rings. It's a lot darker at the end because of that, and it really changes the message about like war. It too, does, and yeah. how it affects people and yeah. places and everything. Really, yeah. Because it, it's it almost says it's like yeah, we can go back and see some horrible shit, but we'll always have the Shire. You know. You know, like we'll always have Paris. No, that's not true. Yeah, like, in reality, they go back and they find out after all this horrible shit, it's like, no, you don't have the shot. Yeah, you don't, and you never will again. No, well, Frodo never will again. Well, I guess. Yeah. Well, th- even to the same degree, though, like they said that the shower, the shower was never as cool as it was. I suppose before the scouring. Like, as far as, like, you know, mm-hmm. lushness and all that. Mm-hmm. But, um... I wonder what the party tree looked like after... The, after it was the big Malorn? After it was the Malorn tree, That'd yeah. be pretty cool. That would be a fucking huge golden tree. tree. But, yeah, the, the cutting of the scouring of the Shire, um, obviously was for time reasons, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Return of the King extended edition is already, what, like, over four hours? It's like four and a half, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy long. So, I mean, they would have had to... If, just to do the scouring justice, I mean, I think you need at least 30 minutes to an hour I would have said yeah that. 45 to an hour yeah, to do that whole do thing that justice because yeah. then that would have actually tied off the end of Saruman and then they would probably have to touch on the storylines with the Sackville Baggins is a little bit a little bit and hopefully we'd get to but see a little bit of cotton that, family yeah. action too mm-hmm. would be cool but they could shorten a lot of that down sure mm-hmm. but yeah the, the fact that they I, I don't blame them for cutting it out for, for time but mm-hmm. it, in my opinion it's one of the worst things they could have done <laughs> I don't blame them, but it was just the worst fucking thing. <laughs> but it was just, uh, it changes, it, to me, it changes the story. Because I remember when I read the, the book, because I had seen the film, you know, first. Mm-hmm. So when I read the book, I sat down and I was like, just kind of dissatisfied at the end. I was like, hmm. well, they get home and like everything's all fucked up and like. Jesus. And then like Frodo leaves because he's like sick and can't Ill, get like, over how bad everything yeah, was. Yeah, can't get over how fucked up everything was for the past year and a half. Like, yeah, dude, it, it's kind of. It it's was rough. Ex- I definitely appreciate the message like you can tell it was written by oh, a war vet a I, lot more. yeah exactly i like it more i i'm not saying like it was just it was a bit shocking to me yeah it, it <laughs> does it, it gives you genuine like a uh, valuable insight into the life of a war vet that most people don't understand yeah and he ties this so seamlessly just in with this high fairy tale story yeah. and all of a sudden not only that now you're getting a taste of what it's like to be a fucking veteran of war and how yeah. it changes people's lives yeah it was yeah it's yeah, no scouring. It really it it makes the story a lot more bittersweet rather than just kind of dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more yeah, a bittersweet ending. Like oh, the shower was saved, but Frodo's got to go because he still isn't cool. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I I don't know, man. The scouring of the shire it's, to me is a big part of the the tone setter for the mm-hmm. for the real. The I think it does also a good job just kind of like wrapping up all the themes and all the things that the characters learned. Yeah, and they, I mean they say straight up in the book it's the last battle of the War, the War of the Ring too. Like they consider it a part mm-hmm. of the War of the Ring. Okay. Yeah. But all right, guys. Enough of us <laughs> bitching about something that we profess to love, which we do. We do, as you could probably tell. 
Yeah, it was actually really hard for us to just not talk about things that we liked. Yeah. My my girlfriend came over halfway through us watching The Return of the King, and me and Joel are just like, yeah, man, this shit's dope, and we're like, you know, talking and cheering, and like... <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, man, I love this scene, I love this. <laughs> yeah, and she's sitting there, she's like, aren't you guys supposed to be talking about why you hate the movie or like something? Like, what you don't or like Or yeah, what you it? don't like, and we're like, yeah, we'll get to it. Oh, we'll, like, we'll get to <laughs> it. We just have to nerd out every time we watch it. There's yeah. so much awesome stuff. Yeah, she's. we're like, we're taking notes. She looks at the laptop, there's like four things. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, like this shit movie's awesome <laughs> but yeah so enough from us complaining what about you guys is there something you think we missed yeah do you think we missed anything do you think we were being assholes about anything what what didn't you like about the movies if yeah. anything if anything i mean you know they're great i mean i maybe or is oh, how about this is there anybody out there that just hates the movies like hit us up like if you that'd love, be that'd be cool to, i'd cool love to have a up. conversation with that person because there's i don't really know, know anybody that hates the movies yeah 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 um so yeah hit us up if you hate the movies i'd I'll love to to Christopher. Yeah, I'd love to have a Christopher talk. Yeah, Christopher Tolkien really hates the movies. Yeah, refer to that opening excerpt. He yeah. really hates the Lord of the Rings. Really movies. hates them. He's like they just bastardized his yeah. father's work, basically. My only choice has been to look away. Oof. <laughs> Oof. But yeah, this has been uh Keep On Talking Podcast, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, be for, be sure to follow us on social medias. You can follow us on Twitter at KOT Podcast. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, uh I am at Danny J. That's J A Y K O T. Uh, hit me up. I like. Uh, I'm not on Twitter all that much anymore, but I, I, I tend to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. So hit me up. Yeah, and uh, Facebook's more your thing. But be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official keep on Tolkien. And while you're there, don't forget to join the KOT Talk group that we have going on there. There's a lot of cool discussion questions going on, some you know Lord of the Rings memes and such. Yeah, we also got that. Uh, uh, we're almost done, but if you fo- if you hurry, we're doing that Silmarillion read along. Yeah, we're doing an active Silmarillion read along. Maybe yeah. that'll be a reoccurring thing. Yeah, maybe we'll just start reading other stuff too. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people. There's so many books to read. A lot of Tolkien lot books of Tolkien to get through. Books. Um, but you can also follow us on Instagram at Keep On Tolkien Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, feel free to go there, and it's usually that website forward slash keep on Tolkien and uh, you know make, make sure to stay up to date with our new episodes yeah and please rate uh, or give us a nice review on uh, any of those sites really um, we like hearing good reviews we also kind of like hearing bad reviews because they're we do fun. we almost like yeah. we almost equally like hearing yeah. bad reviews yeah which is funny because there's not that many of them, which is nice yeah we've yeah. only had a few well it's good to a, get constructive criticisms and sometimes if you think that it's a bad criticism you can just laugh yeah you just laugh because it's like <laughs> fuck you what are you gonna do? like okay what are you gonna do I won't be listening to your podcast anymore all right but sorry. please tell us yeah <laughs> just, but please let us know mm-hmm. and uh, lastly we also we obviously want to mention the Patreon um, if you're interested in checking it out Patreon is basically a way to help support us financially you can check it out at patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast yeah and basically uh, Patreon is just kind of helps us do what we do and uh, it's because uh, KOT is a 100% DIY podcast it is still coming out of our pockets um, but donations really really help mitigate those costs mm-hmm. and they just help us bring a more consistent and better product to you guys so that's yeah. uh, you know a little easier to listen to us mm-hmm. and it also uh, um, donating also can help you unlock some cool content that uh, is heard nowhere else and uh, this content is always pretty crazy um we're always uh, a little bit for it and uh it's uh not safe for work so don't listen to it at work guys. yeah we like to have a lot of fun with the with the patreon content but that's about all we've got for you today guys yeah, this um, is an episode what, what are we 47 wow. 47 in man wow
Wow, we're gonna have a drink after this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I am and will continue to be Danny J. And I am Joel N. As always, guys, keep, keep on, on token. token. Aure and to Luva. <laughs>